like to be under the grip of something that controls you? Substance abuse, maybe. There's probably not a many people in this room who hasn't seen the devastation of what addictions, um, lifestyle choices of behavioral patterns that make it impossible to have healthy relationships with a loved one. May not, it may not be a substance abuse, but it may be some type of other stronghold in their life that makes it difficult to be around them. And until you've been there, no one knows what it's like to have Jesus show up in all his glory and love and compassion and meet you in the depths of your deepest shame and set you free. But he does do that today. And he will do that today if you are in need of being delivered from some type of behavioral habit that is hindering you, that is keeping you from being all that you can be in Jesus. So I want to talk to us this morning a little while about spiritual strongholds. Spiritual strongholds, trapped and oppressed in bondage. How many of you look around and see it every day? Man, everywhere I look, I see people in the church that are trapped, they're under oppression, and they can't get away from it. And their marriages are struggling for it. Their homes are dysfunctional because of it. And their own personal walk with Jesus is hindered, and it's not bearing fruit. You see, strongholds are caused purposefully, intentionally by the devil in a person's life. See, everybody in here has a weakness. All our weaknesses may differ. One man's weakness may be sexual. Another man's weakness may be material. But we all have weaknesses. Satan looks and he finds those weaknesses. And then he purposely and intentionally goes to work in that weakness to manipulate it, to create in you a stronghold. Strongholds usually are things that you are terribly ashamed of. Satan... The ones that work best for him are the ones that you keep secret because you don't want anybody else to know. But God knows you know. The devil knows. And you desperately wish it wasn't in your life. That's the kind of stronghold Satan wants to get in a believer because that's the kind that he can use to control you. And friends, the freedom of confessing that and coming out of it is unbelievable. Some are more able to be seen like addictions and drug abuse. And, but others are harder to see like the excessive craving for attention, to be the center of attention. That, that can be a stronghold. And I want to talk to us a little while. Paul speaks about this topic, and it comes out of the Word of God right here in the, second, the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians. How many of you realize yet that this is a war we're in? And it ain't hard to stay victorious. You don't, it doesn't happen by just coming to church and taking a casual approach to Jesus. you got to be with Jesus and seek him. And this is what Paul says in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, what he's saying, though we walk in the natural, in the earthly, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I want us to first understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a spiritual stronghold. A spiritual stronghold is an habitual pattern of thinking, a thought, built into one person's thought life that is so repetitive, so excessive, that it has progressed into now it's producing a regular pattern of behavior in you. It's on your mind, you think about it, you're focused on it, and Satan tempts us, the Bible says. That's what he does. He can influence the thought process in a person's heart and mind. And so, an habitual pattern of thinking that progresses in your thought life to the point that now it's not just thinking about it, you're actually doing it. I'm here to tell you, whatever your beliefs are will eventually become what your behaviors are. Your attitude always results in actions. And so Satan knows that. And so Satan and his minions want to capture the minds of people because the mind, my friend, is the fortress. It's the citadel of the soul. If he can get a hold of your mind and he can deceive you and make you believe things that ain't true and then get you dwelling on it all the time, he can control you. And he's doing it every day in people's lives. And it's sad. And so I want you to think about this. Spiritual strongholds are just natural desires that Satan twists, he manipulates, so that sin can have control over us. And if you ever had it happen, you know what I'm talking about. Friends, everybody's got a weakness. You're weak to something. There's a sin that you're susceptible to. No man is not. And Satan finds that. He studies you. He looks for that, especially in leaders and people who make a big difference for the kingdom. He comes at them to create a spiritual stronghold that is more than just sin. It becomes a hidden bondage, and he likes it to be hidden. He wants it to be secret. He wants it to be so dark in your life, you're so ashamed of it, that you don't even tell your spouse. You don't tell nobody. You try to not even admit it to yourself. Once he gets something like that in a person's life, it's tough. And that's what he does. That's what he's about. That's what his purpose in life. And he's relentless in his pursuit of doing this. So a spiritual stronghold is anything in your life that has more power over you than God. It doesn't have to be shooting up cocaine or heroin like I have done. It doesn't have to be looking at pornography every day on the internet and can't quit. It doesn't have to be a lot of the things that we think it is. All it's got to be is something that can distract you, that can get you and take you away from God being what he's supposed to be in your life. And Satan knows how to do it. It can be shopping. It can be a relationship. But Satan will use things. Friends, just thinking about, I want to give you some examples of what they are. One that I've seen in the church that works so well for Satan is unforgiveness. Someone hurts you, and, and, and instead of forgiving them like Jesus did for you, you, you get angry and, and you hang on to it and you want to be justice and, 
And so what happens, they start out, they're just unforgiving. But unforgiveness grows, my friend. It never leaves you alone. So Satan notices, ha, ha, ha. He has a trouble with forgiveness. So he just finds people to constantly make you upset. And he's got them. Because he wants that forgiveness to grow into bitterness. And I've met people in church that are so overwhelmed with bitterness and unforgiveness, they don't even know what they're mad about no more. They're just mad. How many of you heard this? I used to go to church, but them people hurt my feelings. Man, I hurt whoever has had any relationship that hadn't hurt your feelings sooner or later. So, and so I want you to understand something. Satan can use anything. Obsessive worry, fear, anxiety, worrying about your kids, worrying about your money, worrying about the future to the point it steals your joy and peace. Friends, that'll work. <laughs> if Satan sees in your life that you are susceptible to that. He'll use it against you mentally and physically. Lust and adultery. Anybody here who gives a child unsupervised access to a cell phone is an idiot. Because there's stuff on there that you couldn't find when we was kids that'll turn them into a sexual pervert in a matter of months if you turn them loose in pornography on that thing. Some of us men knows what I'm talking about right now as I speak. And that's the one that Satan loves to get in a, God of, a man of God's life because it's so dark, it's so shameful, and you don't want to have to admit it to yourself, much less your brothers in Christ. But if he can get that in you, he'll hold you, and he'll lead you around with it. You want to follow Jesus, he'll just keep you at bay. So here today, I'm here to tell you, man, if you are addicted to pornography, God can set you free. Drugs, alcohol. Man, there's people everywhere you look that are totally consumed with substance abuse. America makes Mexico rich off the drug trade. But friends, I want you to think about this this morning. I'm not talking about when I say strongholds, physical fortresses. I'm talking about destructive patterns of thought that lead people astray from God and hold them hostage to sinful, addictive behaviors. And friends, they're in everybody's lives if you're not careful. Because I want you to think about this. This is a warning before we get to the good part. The strategy of Satan is to produce spiritual strongholds in everybody he can so that he can ensnare and take captive as many souls as possible. And he is at work, my friend. He's here today. He'll be out there waiting for you when you leave. When you get up every morning, there's a song by the guy that sang that song, their struggle. He sings another song, Walk With Him. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Man, how many of you want to walk with God, but the devil's constantly trying to keep you from it? And friends, I want you to think about this with me. The devil is more real than most of us realize, and you don't treat him real. How many of you are worried about Russia right now? How many of you are worried about an evil dictator named Putin who, who has put power to do things that we are concerned about, unspeakable things? Look what he's doing, the atrocities he's committing. Well, may I tell you, Satan's just as real, and he's wreaking just as much havoc if you're willing to look around. See, Jesus said he's real. I want to just run you through this right now to get you to where I want to preach. According to Jesus, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven 
like a lightning bolt. Now, friends, if you're going to believe Jesus said he's, there's a place called heaven, you better believe that there's a thing called Satan. Satan said he loves you to not think he's real. He loves you to treat him as if he's not something to be concerned about. Friends, listen to this. Where is Satan? Well, according to the Bible, Satan roams to and fro on the earth. When they kicked him out of heaven, he fell right down here. And he landed mad as can be at God. And his Bible says that in Job that the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come, Satan? And Satan answered to the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Man, I don't know where Satan himself is at today, but I know he's on the earth somewhere. The problem is Satan is not a single being. He's got forces. You see, the devil is our adversary. He's seeking whom he may destroy. That's what he's walking about doing. The Bible says that we need to be sober. We need to be serious. We need to be diligent, diligent. We need to be striving to watch out because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. But friends, he's not alone. He's just like Putin. He's got an army. See, our adversary has an army of spiritual forces. The Bible says, for, though, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with our fellow humans, but we wrestle with the principalities against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. That word is translated in many versions of the Bible as forces or armies. The host of heaven is the army of heaven. That's what he's talking about in the Old Testament. And friends... There are spiritual hosts, forces, armed forces of wickedness in the heavenly places that Satan controls. They're demons. They're everywhere in the New Testament, but we act like they don't exist anymore. Where do you think they went? Do you think they just left and said, Satan, we want to take retirement? They're as busy as they've ever been, doing what they've always done, leading people, oppressing them drawing them and taking them away from God. Now, friends, listen, I'm, I want to get to what we need to look at. The prisoners of spiritual warfare are everywhere. It's heartbreaking. Just like there's going to be probably prisoners of war in Ukraine if Russia takes over. Some of you have possibly been in the armed forces and understands what it means to be a prisoner of war. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you, we'll look around. Because listen, the Bible says that a servant of God must be humble, gentle, able to teach the truth. Why? So that those who are bound to Satan can come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. The snare, the traps. The, the, he's got snares set. He catches people. Why does he want to snare people? So he can take them captive. The Bible in this verse, Paul's writing to Timothy He's saying, Timothy, as a young preacher, as a servant of the Lord, you've got to be able to teach with humility and gentleness. You've got to be able to show these people so that God will grant them repentance so that they can escape by the truth, the snares of the devil, having been taken already captive by him to do his will. Friends, there's people everywhere you look, even in the church, who have been deceived of the truth and they've been entrapped by Satan and their lives are controlled and they're captive to lifestyle practices that grieves God's spirit in them. Y'all know it's true. But friends, listen to this. Satan knows that the truth today can set you free. 
Somebody say, I don't like this preaching. I don't know about you. If I go to the doctor, I want a real diagnosis. Tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me the truth. Then tell me how to fix it. Tell me how to get healed. Friends, I'm here to tell you, if your life has some kind of habitual sinful habit in it that is constant, that's excessive, that's regular, and you are a Christian, you are an unhappy person if you're a Christian. You can't have joy. You can't, it, it's, it, it robs you. I know because I'm talking from firsthand knowledge. So what's Satan do? This morning, the Word is being preached. Amen? We in the Word. The Word, the seed of God, the gospel of Jesus can save any sinner. And the Holy Spirit, and by the power of Christ and who Christ is, you can be delivered. But guys, listen. The Bible says the seed is the word of God, but those by the wayside, he was preaching a parable about four different hearts that are represented by four different soils. And it's what happens when the word of God is proclaimed in a person's life and it enters his heart. The first one, the one that I believe is the majority, every time the word of God is preached, you got the first one, the wayside. Then you have the rocky soil, the shallow soil, the person who makes a shallow commitment to the Lord, but there, there's no true commitment there. Then you got the weedy soil, the one who's filled with the things of the world and all the things that choke out the word. Then you got the one that has the good heart where the word of God sprouts and grows and bears good fruit. The first one is the one I see happen in every service. The word goes forth, and before you get out of here and get home, the devil shows up, and what does he do? He comes to take away the word out of your heart so that you cannot believe in it and be saved. What the devil wants to do today is take what I'm telling you, showing you in the word. That's not real. The devil really isn't doing all that. That's all. He's fanatical. You're okay. I know you lie. I know you're not real. I know your life is not what you portray it to be, but that's okay. Everybody's hypocrites, not people who are right with God. I'm a hypocrite. But friends, I don't want to stay one. I've sinned. I've messed up. I've lost control of my life. But God wants you to not accept that way. So listen to the word today. God loves you. He will forgive you and he will provide for you to help you. I want you to see this. Jesus breaks the oppression of Satan's strongholds. How God anointed Jesus, this is what Peter's preaching. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Because he went about doing good. He went about ministering to people, healing people, and all who are oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Friends, do you know how many people are oppressed by the devil? I don't know about y'all. He oppresses me all the time. Man, you want to know how real the devil is? Kyle was at my house the other day. How many of y'all know Brother Kyle? Brother Kyle Williams, he's kind of, I told him we're going to make him our church evangelist, our on-staff evangelist. No payo, no, but he'll be our on-staff evangelist. And he was all for it. He was at our house. He's been hanging out with us a lot. We're just talking about ministry stuff. And I, I told him, I said, man, I, I, I tell you what, but I'm really walking with the Lord and God starts moving. I have these dreams. Diane said, yeah, you had one a while the other day. I said, I know. And he looked at me and says, what are they? I said, man, I'm in my dream and the demons are after me and they're coming. And sometimes they're people I know and other times they're people I don't know. But I can tell they're possessed with the devil and they're after me and they're chasing me and I'm running from him. And they finally get me to the point in my dream. I said, it's, it's all the time. And when they're coming at me, I'm trying to rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And in my dream, I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Christ. And, it, uh, and they're all around me, and I can't get it to come out. 
and they're fixing to get me and I'm trying to shout out the power of Jesus. I'm trying, and right before they get me, right before I'm able to rebuke them, I wake up and I'm like, oh. But before I wake up, she's been hearing me and she says, in my sleep, I'm going, oh, oh, oh. I'm trying to talk and it won't come out. She said, it's terrifying. Kyle went, I have that exact same dream all the time. You think that's an accident? Think that's a coincidence? Do you think there might be an enemy that could be involved with that? It happened to me when I first got saved and started preaching, and I told my pastor, you know what he told me to do? He said, before you go to bed at night, it was happening so much. He said, pray, take your Bible, put it under your pillow, and tell Satan, I'm sleeping and resting in Jesus on the power of the word, and go to bed. And guess what? It helped. Friends, I'm going to tell you all, you underestimate the devil. He's defeated. You have victory over him, but only in Jesus. Not in religion. Not in good intentions. Not just because you're saved even. Does that guarantee you Satan will not oppress you? He may not, I don't think he can indwell you, but he will oppress you. And I want to show you how Satan works. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. I want to show you a very, very familiar person. How many of you have heard of the Gadarene demoniac? The man that was out in the graveyard, naked, screaming and hollering, possessed of a demon. Satan wants to do this in everybody's life. Satan's stronghold strategy is to do this in your life, my life, anybody's life who won't stand in Jesus and fight him. Our warfare, Paul, Paul said, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. For the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And they're mighty in God to pull down these strongholds. And what do you do? You have to, you have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And friends, listen what the devil wants to do. And you're going to recognize this in people's lives all around you, maybe your life. Satan's stronghold strategy, I'm going to show you first, is to get you out of touch with God, to get your life so out of touch with God that your thinking begins to get you out of control so that he can get you out of touch with people who love you and care about you. And if he can get you out of touch with God and out of touch with everybody who cares about you and isolate it and separate it by yourself, he'll get you out of control. And once he gets you out of control, he'll get you to destroy your own life show it to you in this man's life. The first thing you see when you look at this, it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadareans. And when Jesus had come out of the boat, it's no accident where Jesus landed. Immediately, he didn't have to hunt for him, he landed right there where this poor, tormented soul of a man was living in a graveyard. I want you to see what it says. And when Jesus had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, that's in the graveyard, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. How many people live in a graveyard? How many people wants to hang out with a man who lives in the graveyard? You know why he was in the graveyard? He had nowhere else to go. He says Jesus, after he healed him and gave him his right mind back, he wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, go back to your friends and tell him what good things God has done for you. So he had friends at one time. I'm sure he had a mama. Probably had a dad. He could have had a wife. But they're not with him anymore. 
See, he's out of touch, not only with God, he was spiritually unclean. He had a demon. He's out in the tombs. If you was a Jew, and I'm assuming he probably was, and you went in a graveyard, you were spiritually unclean. You couldn't go in the temple. You couldn't be around dead people. You couldn't touch dead people. So he's out of touch with God. He's out of touch. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to get you out of touch with God first. Then he wants to get you out of touch with those who love you and care for you. He wants to convince you that no one cares for you. He wants to convince you that no one can help you. He wants to convince you that you are alone. You ever been there? Because once he gets you out of touch with God and truth and the things that matter, he'll get you out of control. Look at what happened to this man. He was out of touch. He was living by himself. He's out in the tombs. He doesn't have any family support. He doesn't have God in his life. Look at what it says. Verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with chains. Friends, you know, we look at that. How cruel. They were binding him with chains. Friends, we do the same thing today. But today we call it rehab. We call it mental counseling. We try to chain them with prescriptions. I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, this ain't a joke. I'm pretty sure I had ADD. I probably still think I got it. But they didn't give me, what's it called? Redlin. My daddy didn't call it ADD. He called it BAD. And he had a cure for it. But friends, you know what? A lot of kids today, and I'm not putting down on a parent who has a child on Redlin, but that ain't the first choice you ought to make to make your child act different. You see, many of us are trying to numb down our problems. We're trying to make them go away by the fog of pharmaceuticals. And I'm not here to tell you that pharmaceuticals aren't helpful, but if you're taking pharmaceuticals every day because you can't do without a pill, that pharmaceutical is no more doing what it was given for you to do. And when you take more than you're supposed to take, and you're no longer taking them to help you physically or to help you feel, you're taking them because that's the only way you know how to survive. Satan's got you. And friends, listen, there are people out of control every day. You know, we lock them up in jail. And friends, so this man was out of control. They were trying to chain him, but it wasn't working. How many of you sent some of your loved ones to rehab? I went to two. Friends, rehab without Jesus does not work. All it does is put a Band-Aid on something. There is not a 12-step program without Jesus that will get you set free from alcohol or drugs. It's a one-step, my friend. The other 11 might be useful. They might help you. But if you don't take the one step, what's that? Jesus. The rest will not work. You won't be set free. I sat in Narcotics Anonymous meetings. I sat in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. People who ain't drank in 15 years and they're miserable and they're bound. I'm an alcoholic. Friends, I ain't a drug addict no more. I've been set free. I'm a child of God. Yes, the devil's after me. Yes, he wants to get you. He wants to keep you believing a lie. Friends, listen, when you get saved, your past is behind you and Jesus leads you into a future. You don't live in the past when you're a child of God. You live for the future. And yes, we stumble. Yes, we fall. But I'm not going to blame anything but me for my failures. 
And the only one who can help me is Jesus. I was out of control like this man was out of control. I was out destroying my own life. I look about how I was shooting dope in my arms. Every, chair, every nickel I got went in my arms. And, and the things I'd done, going down to the ninth quarters in, in New Orleans with $400 in my pocket, looking for a quarter ounce of cocaine, getting out in the ghetto, walking around, country is cotton. They spotted me out. They knew what I wanted. And buying dope, how I didn't get shot and killed back then, it's a miracle of God. Out of control, out to destroy. Friends, we got people. This man was cutting himself. He was out to destroy. He was crying out. Friends, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you out of touch so he can get you out of control so that he can get you out to destroy your life. And that's what was happening to this man. Now, he was demon-possessed. But you don't have to be demon-possessed for the devil to oppress you, to influence you, and to get you to do things that you shouldn't do and that you can't stop. So you say, well, that's Satan's stronghold strategy. What is God's stronghold strategy? God's stronghold strategy is in verse 6. You say, it can't be that simple. Oh, yes, it is. See, this man, here he was. He didn't know who Jesus was. But Jesus showed up. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't know where God was because he was afar. But God knew where he was. Jesus just come through a storm. He got his boy. He said, come on, we're going to the other side. They go through a storm. You think they just accidentally landed right here? Jesus comes. He gets out. Soon as this man seen when he saw Jesus. That's the step. That's the first thing, my friend. Until you see Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, you will not get set free from strongholds. And he was afar. But he ran to worship Jesus. And friends, you might be like this man right now. Man, I, I'm, I got all this stuff in my life. I'm all muddled up. I got unforgiveness. I, I'm full of pride. I, I, I'm just so focused on so many things. I'm, I can't stop buying things. I'm full of covetousness. All these things that Satan can do. But guys, listen. When you see Jesus and you get yourself to him, look at what happens in that verse 7. And he cried out with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. Friends, listen to this. You may not know what to do with Jesus right now. He didn't either. But may I tell you, if you'll come to Jesus, he knows what to do with you. He'll help you. He'll never turn against you. He loves you in your deepest stronghold with all of the things that is keeping you locked down and, and, and trapped as much as he does when you walk in victory. He cares for you this morning. He wants to deliver you. And he will help you. When you have to do something all the time. See, after I got saved, Drinking was a problem. I knew drinking was something I, I had to quit because it caused most of the problems. But I was convinced that marijuana was a natural herb that came from God. It's a seed. You just plant it and it grows. And I was the biggest proponent before Christ got a hold of me and changed my heart and my way of thinking and set me free for the legalization of marijuana you'd ever met. It's way better than drinking. 
You don't get DUIs when you're stoned. And you don't get in fights with your wife when you're stoned. You just sit around and hope she makes you some supper. But how many people you see that smoke marijuana every day are bearing fruit? The glory of God's over their life. You see, you, you don't depend on stuff. You depend on him. You don't trust in stuff to help you cope with life. He is the only one who can get you through life. And so, friends, I was like anybody else. I came to a crossroads in my journey very quickly when my buddy showed up. Big old bag of purple hair, Tennessee grown, homegrown, sense a million, red hair. Just pulled that thing up, skunk weed, smelled like I had a skunk under the house. We sitting on the front porch, I was like, I don't need to smoke that. I don't want that. Man, my eyes got real heavy. I started feeling different. But I didn't feel like it used to make me feel. And I wanted to tell them I don't want that, but I was scared. I didn't know how to tell them. And so I sat there with them, and they smoked it. And we sat around and talked. We went down to the bar, and they left. I was so ashamed. I said, Jesus, I don't want that. And I'm like, oh, God. When they came back the next time, I said, Lord, help me. Help me. That's all you do. Jesus, help me. Stand up for what you know is right. Stand up for what God has shown you is true. True. And so when they got there, I said, y'all welcome at my house. We can go down and fool with horses. But I ain't drinking no more. I ain't smoking dope no more. And we ain't doing it here no more. Oh, Cooper, you done got full of church. You got that head back? You good? I'm No. I got Jesus, friend. I never seen him again. But God replaced them with brothers and sisters in Christ and church family. Friends, listen, when you run into Jesus, Jesus already knows what you need to do. This man said, what must I do with you, Jesus? Jesus already knew what to do. And the first thing Jesus done was he met and he fixed the problem. This man's problem was he knew it's possessed of a demon. You might be. I'm not here telling you there's demons in every stronghold situation, but there's influence from the enemy. That's why you're bound. And so I want you to, Think about this with me. That verse that we looked at a while ago, when Peter was preaching, Peter told them that this Jesus of Nazareth who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, we've all seen. This is right above it. You can go read in Acts chapter 10, right above 38 when you get a time. He says, we've seen him. He says, we ate with him after he rose from the dead. They buried him on Friday. God raised him on Sunday, and Sunday night they ate fish with Jesus. <laughs> That's the power of Christ. And this same Jesus with that resurrection power that went around helping those who need to be healed from the oppression of the devil, he's here today, my friend. I'm telling you, he's here. He'll help you. He'll show you. Right now, you just say it. What must I do with you, Jesus? <laughs> who, who are you? But if you'll come to him, he will help you. He knows your need. And he was going around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. When Paul got called to preach in the, the, his account, his testimony, in Acts chapter um, 26, listen what Paul says of his preaching testimony. The Bible says, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me with those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying, 
in my Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goat. So I said, who are you, Lord? Even Paul one day had to say, who are you, Lord? A couple verses down, he says, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. And he says, what do you want me to do, Lord? It's that easy. He'll show you. Listen to what he told Paul. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will reveal to you. And look at that verse. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins. Friends, when you are living and doing things that are opposed to God's will and purpose in your life, that is darkness. That's what Satan wants to get you doing. But when you turn to God and you do the things God says to do, that's light. Satan is the prince of darkness. Jesus is the God and prince of light. And friends, listen, he wants you to keep this hidden because as long as you keep it in the dark, it gives him the power. But once you bring it out into the light, it gives Jesus the power. It takes humility. It takes getting away from your pride. It takes not worrying about what men will think about you and being more concerned with what God already knows about you. And coming to Jesus with a heart that says, Lord, here I am, save me. I had made God so many promises the only person I'd probably promised more when I got saved that I was going to do better than God was her. And I failed them all. When I finally got changed, I didn't say, take away drinking, take away drugs. I said, Lord, just take me. If you'll have me, here I am. That song said that that man who woke up with that whiskey bottle and said that's the only friend he'd ever had, that girl who had woke up and she had that pill bottle and she said that's the only friend she ever had but they noticed the Bible and they read what it said and he says in that song that here we come with you our heart to give that's what it takes because right now something else has your heart and God will take that heart and he'll do what he did King David he'll create in you a clean heart He'll renew in you a steadfast spirit. He'll give you the Holy Ghost. And he'll help you, my friend, to live a life pleasing to God that'll bring joy back and meaning and purpose into your life. This is not preaching that most people want to hear, but I'm telling you, look at us, friend. We're bound. We're oppressed. We need more of Jesus. This is what Jesus said. I'm telling you the truth. This is right from the Word of God. But this is what Jesus said. How many of you believe there's freedom in Christ? That he has power over Satan's strongholds. Well, friends, this is what Jesus said. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth is you need to repent. You need to confess. You need to come. Some of you need to get saved. You're not saved. You've never truly sold out and just said, Lord, here's my heart. I repent and turn wholeheartedly to you. Lord, take what's left of me and use me. I'm coming to you. 
See, it's not about you letting Jesus into your heart. It's about Jesus letting you into his kingdom and coming into your life. Because he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Friends, am I totally free? I'm way freer than I used to be. Does Satan come and get a hold of me sometimes? Yeah. If you ain't been in the war, it's because you ain't fighting. <laughs> and if you ain't fighting, you losing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't in the team. Friends, when you get saved, you'll find out Satan's real. But you'll find out even more that God is real. That Jesus can help you overcome the weaknesses in your life that Satan has exploited you with. And he can deliver you and set you free. This morning, it's a simple, simple response. If you've got things in your life that you're ashamed of that you can't tell anybody else about, tell Jesus today and give them to him. And trust me, say, Lord, I don't know what to do with you to get this out of my life, but Lord, I'm coming to you. And then that man said, what must I do with you, Jesus? So the most high, say, Lord, what do you want me to do with you? He's more than able to show you. I can promise you what he doesn't want you to do. He don't want you to just come to church, sit in a box, pew, open a Bible, hear a preacher every Sunday and never change. He doesn't want you to just be religious on Sunday. Be faithful to that. He wants you to be, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I meant it. Help me. Do I fail all the time? Does he ever quit helping me? Never. But do I accept that? No, you can't. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of things in life Marvin Cooper might fail you with, but drugs and alcohol ain't one of them. I have been delivered. I can sit and watch it. I can look at it. I used to wake up and smell the spoon in my sleep when the medicine, the water hit the cocaine and be jonesing. For, but when Jesus came, he replaced it. I wake up now, I want Jesus. I want more of God. I'm not perfect. You ain't either. You never will be. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, if the Satan has got you, if you got loved ones, quit believing in the lie. Satan can set them free. But we got to trust him. This morning, I'm going to ask you, if you've never been saved, to just come and sit right here in the front. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. You sit right there. That's a commitment. You're saying, what must I do? That man was afar off, and he went to Jesus. He said, what must I do with you? I will take the Word of God and show you how to know for sure you're saved and what to do after that. And if you mean it and you want to be saved, there's nobody in this room that he won't forgive you for. No matter what has happened in your life, he will save you. For those of us who are saved, but he has gotten hold of us and there's things in our life that shouldn't be there, I'm a firm believer that deliverance is no different than salvation. You see, God today chose to help you, to deliver you. He's convicted you, you're under conviction, and you feel him drawing you, saying, come to me to confess and repent. Friends, listen, you can't get saved anytime you want. You can only come to God when God is drawing you, when the Spirit is working in you, when your heart is touched and drawn by God's spirit through his truth. And you're saying, I got to respond to truth. I got to obey and make a decision that is in the will of God. You got to come on that moment. You getting drawn right now to get saved. You walk out of here, you may never get another chance. You probably will because God is gracious, but there is no guarantee. My addicted, captive friend, today God said, I'll deliver you. I'm going to help you, but you humble yourself. You go to that altar and you give me that addiction. You give me that thing that's got you, that stronghold. Today, 
It's the day God has chosen to set you free, to deliver you. You got to come while you're under conviction. You go back out here, instead of that conviction pulling on you and controlling you, that addiction will have you again. You got to come when God is at work. Strike while the iron is hot. How many times has we seen people saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get right to never, ever get to that place. Friends, you got to come today if God's offering you repentance to be set free from the snare of the devil and the captive of his will. So I'm going to ask you, here's an altar. It's not something that we just preach on. It's a place that represents where we do business with God, where we humble ourselves, where we kneel. And if you come up here and people wonder, oh, what's he got addicted? They got a problem. They ought to be up here too. They need to be here worse than you if anybody thinks that. So God might use you to convict them. Amen? <laughs> so come to the altar. Jesus can help you. We're going to sing this song. We're going to stand together. There is nothing that would make every Christian in this room leave here more joyful and proud for you than to see you get saved if you're lost. To see you repent and get right. Friends, there are so many people eaten up with things in their life that they can't get rid of. And they try it by church. It's only Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to move. If you need to stand, please stand with us. Father, I preach what you told me to preach. Lord, I've lived what you showed me. This is not some trial and error. <laughs> this is not just a theory. Lord, I've been there. And Lord, I hate when Satan comes in and gets us. Lord, I know my brothers and sisters, they're struggling some of them, and I pray for freedom today, for deliverance. And Lord, I know there's somebody here who's lost in sin and isn't saved, and I pray that by the power of the Spirit of the living God, you would help them to trust Jesus and be born again and saved. And Lord, I thank you that you've been bringing people into this fellowship to help us do the work, to minister in this community, to minister to kids and put on events like Beast Feast that reach men and ladies ministry that reach women for Christ. Lord, if there's someone who's feeling led to join, help them to do that today. But Lord, we want to do your will in this moment. So Lord, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, this is your moment.